So where my subject is making room for the marginalised. So making room started with Vicky and she shared about making room and having rest um, to which my son was on multimedia that day and that week he was going, he wasn't very well and he went, Mum, he said, Vicky said that I needed to make sure that I rest. <laughs> so he definitely rested. <laughs> so he took it on board. And then Phil spoke to us last week about making room in the story that no matter how our age is, that we're called to make room to include God in our lives. And today, we're looking at making room for the marginalised. Now, uh, this phrase took my mind to when I create a document, as I often do on Word, and I choose whether to have portrait or landscape, and then um, I choose the font, um, uh, and then once I've chosen the font, I normally add a footer um, with the, the name of the document, and my name and the month and the year. And then I add a page number at the top in the header. And then I, uh, I go to layout in, in Word document. And I then uh, choose my margins. And generally, I always choose narrow margins. Which always means when I come to save it and print it, it always says, there's a warning that comes up. You're all laughing, those of you that do it. It comes up and it goes, are you sure you want to do this? Because it's probably not going to print it correctly. And you know when you just think, oh, shut up. Of course it's going to print. And I print it and it comes up fine. Those of you that are doing it, I can see you all chuckling. So I'm not on my own. Now, I have no idea why I always choose narrow margins. I've seen Bibles. You know when you have Bibles and they have massive margins? I avoid them like the plague. I always have narrow margins. I don't really know why, but I do. Maybe it's a case of I'm thinking of saving paper and I want to kind of increase the document, but that's what I always pick. And, and I'd love to think that I live my life with those in the margins. But, you know, in reality, most of the people I spend time with are acceptable in society, which means that I'm not as compassionate as I'd like to think I am. You know, although I do see people stuck on the fringes and desperately want to include them, I see people from all types of backgrounds, abilities, and people who long to belong and fit in. And sometimes the phrase marginalised almost instills a bit of pity on someone but that's not actually a helpful posture. When we talk about marginalised, often it causes us to identify people groups or generally the people groups that may be less fortunate than us. The assumption is that it's finance related, but that's not always true. Our posture should actually be honouring to that individual respecting them and giving them dignity and it's not about what we do but how that person feels when we help them they should actually feel built up in the bible it speaks in matthew 25 verse 34 to 40 and it's coming up on the screen then the king will say to those on his right come 
You who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. We're called to feed, to give drinks, to welcome people, to clothe and visit people. And all of us have different skills, but we're all called to do these really simple things. And as we do, it's as though we're serving Jesus. And when we do these things, we need to consider our posture. We don't want to embarrass someone, but build them up. It says that we could be serving angels unawares. Does anyone remember the programme Secret Millionaire? Do you remember that? Yes. Yes, I used to love that. Where they disguise themselves and then they get to know people without an agenda and the people would just get to know the person and not the millionaire. And the millionaire gets to experience the struggle of life. Or perhaps you've seen... Have you seen Rich House, Poor House? Yeah, oh, we see, we're all into that, aren't we? Bit of Rich House, Poor House. Um, we love seeing in people's houses. Oh, yeah. Phil obviously hasn't. He's like that. I don't know what you're about. Um, <laughs> and obviously, there are inevitably, this, once a story is known about whether it's the rich or the poor, opinions change, attitudes change. And generally, it leads to kind of assistance from one party or the other. And I'm not saying it's always the rich person, because it's not. Sometimes you see the, per the poor person has a massive influence on those with wealth, and they actually adjust how they do things going forward. Some offer friendship, some offer money, some offer skills, but both benefit from one another. And the result is always really positive. They normally have feedback meetings at the end, which we all wait for, don't we? They put loads of adverts in and you have to wait and wait and wait. And then you get the final reveal. But it's always really positive. Now, as followers of Jesus, we're not just called to social action. It's good and it's beneficial and it should be done. But we have more than just stuff to give. The best thing in my life is not my bank balance. <laughs> Truly. Um, but it's about the transforming um, of Jesus. He transformed my life since the age of seven. And so the best of my life is Jesus. And fortunately, none of them are in here. <laughs> But Adam, Grace and Zach need not be offended because without Jesus, I am actually really quite wretched because that is the same 
for each of us. And I know that's a really tough truth to say, but it's true. Because all of us, if we're left to our own devices, we're all really quite selfish. (laughs) And so the only, if there's any good that anyone sees in my life, and I'm sure I can see some of you nodding in your lives, then we need to be proclaiming that it is because of Jesus. Not because we're a good person. It's because of what he has done in us. And as followers of Jesus, that's what we need to proclaim. One of my life scriptures is Acts chapter 3, verse 1 to 6, and it's going to come up on the screen. And I apologise, but this is in the King James Version because I was raised on the King James Version. Ken will be pleased to hear that. (laughs) So um, this was my version when I was a small child. So now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And at the certain lame man from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which was called Beautiful, to ask alms of them. And they entered into the temple, who seeing Peter and John go about there, go about to go into the temple, he asked for alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. And then Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I give thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and his ankle bones received strength. And he was, and leaping up, he walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And there was a song that went along with it and I loved it. And that was one of those things where I just, as a seven-year-old, I've got no money. (laughs) I don't think we even had pocket money when I was that age. My mum and dad were so skint (laughs) because they were managing a business and making sure that they were providing for other people's lives. So we didn't really have anything. So I had no money. But what I did have was I had my faith and trust in Jesus. And I began to pray, and that has continued throughout all my life, and I've experienced countless answers to prayer. I've had many personal, physical healings. One recently, just two weeks ago, when I was writing this, and I believe this morning, from my cold this morning, (laughs) praise God, and most I have had a privilege of seeing many folks healed and restored instantly. But I've also seen others that it's been over a period of time, which was interesting when the word that we had this morning. Because some people, it's instant. I've had instant healing. And I've had other times where I've had to walk through it. And we don't understand the whys, but God sorts it out and he is about something. When we sang the song, he's doing something right now. He is doing something right now, wherever we are. And I can testify to that scripture, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I give unto thee. 
in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. It's not in my name. It's not in your name. It is in the name of Jesus Christ. I've seen Jesus transform lives. He's brought older order into people's lives, restored marriages, relationships, families. Jesus has ensured children and adults are safe, which sometimes means upheaval. But in the long term, he gives a future. I've sat with people as they've left this earth and moved instantly into heaven. And at those times, money is irrelevant. It makes no difference. I talk to people who say that religion is not for them. And as I explain, it's a personal faith. My experience is, is that people who state religion is not for them, they haven't personally met Jesus. Because otherwise, they'd make room for him. And once you know his voice and you're able to sense his presence, you don't want to leave. And once you realise in, in the power in the name of Jesus Christ and in his word and in the Bible, you realise he changes everything. Can I encourage you to listen to Jesus? We're called to be hope bringers. I can't get away from that phrase at the moment. It's a phrase that we are meant to bring hope. And remember about that posture, the posture that where people feel that they need to be built up after they leave our presence. How do we build people up so that they feel greater than, encouraged rather than less than when they leave our company? There are many that feed and clothe and visit who don't love Jesus. Let's not be arrogant. People who don't know Jesus are kind too. And if that offends you, I'm really sorry, but it's true. So what sets us apart from others who clothe and feed and visit? It's love, which was our other word this morning. You see, Jesus loves each and every one. They are his children. And we're called not to just clothe them and feed them and visit, but to love each one like ourselves. Now, for some, that's really difficult because you might not love yourself very well. That's reality. But generally, we're really good at loving our own, aren't we? So even if you struggle to love somebody because you struggle with loving yourself, you can love somebody like they're your own. And a way of looking at people is, is maybe if it's, a, if it's a woman, you love them like your mother or your daughter or your sister. If it's a man, you love them like your brother, your father or your son. Now, I know that the world is a messed up place and I know that there is history for everybody that sometimes you may not have had somebody that was in one of those positions that was honourable or right. But it doesn't exclude all of those roles. And so, therefore, you can love them in a way that is just full of God's love for them 
1 Corinthians chapter 13 says, and it's coming up on the screen, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels but have not love, I'm just like a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all the mysteries and all love, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but I have not love, I'm nothing. If I give away all I have and I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. We're called to love people. Now, some people find it easier than others. Some people have a more natural gift at it. But we're all called to love people. Love people with no underlying motive. Loving people who don't give anything back. Loving people who are hurting or lonely or just difficult. (laughs) When we consider the announcement of the birth of Jesus, it wasn't in a palace, but to lowly shepherds, which was a profession without honour. The shepherds who work whose work kept them from participating in any of the religious activities, they were considered unclean. The glory of heaven comes to find them on the outskirts of society, in their workplace. And God is making a statement. He's born into the margins and announced to the marginalised. And as an infant born among animals... God became completely accessible to the lowliest of people, to me and to you. And over the next few weeks, as a church and in our lives, we're going to have gatherings and we'll be meeting folks and family. And some will be on the edges of society. They might be isolated in their workplace. They might be not included in the main family events. And as we focus on the phrase, make room, how can you make room in those events that you're going to with that family member that's a bit estranged, with those folks at work that aren't normally included? Why not ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you and to show you? Hearing or making room to listen to God may come through a portion of scripture, a song. It could be through a film. I watched the film Swimmers this week on Netflix. I thought I was going to include it in this, but I didn't. But can I just say, when we're talking about the marginalised, it is an incredible, moving film about refugees' journey. Swimmers. It may be when you walk in the dark. You may need to make some room in your agenda to chat with somebody or pray with somebody. God's asked me to do lots of things over the years. 
And the most important is that I'm obedient to his still small voice. You may need to shut out other noise so that you can hear. You may need to lean in to hear. The reality is, is that you might not find Jesus where you are. You might need to move to the margins to find Jesus. But I promise that it's not just for the person who's marginalised. In actual fact, it's for your benefit, not just theirs. Just like we said about the millionaire, the rich house, poor house, both benefit. Your faith will grow as you listen and respond to Jesus. I want to bring this to a close with a clip. And it's about a businessman. And his name is Oscar Schlindler, who arrives in Krakow in 1939. And he's ready to make his fortune from World War II, which has just started. And after joining the Nazi party, primarily for political gain, he staffs his factory with Jewish workers because they're cheap labour. And when the SS begin exterminating Jews in the Krakow ghetto, Schindler arranges to have his workers protected. He has compassion on individuals and ends up saving innocent lives. He starts with his own motives and ends up being used to rescue many Jews. Oscar realised at the end he could have done more. God had changed his heart and Oscar's heart broke for what was on God's heart. Oscar was transformed. We make room for God by going to the margins to see him. Jesus gave everything for you and me. He suffered beatings and death on a cross. And the reality is, there is a cost to follow Jesus. Perhaps your family and friends may not understand. It will cost you financially to honour God with the money that you have. It'll cost you reputation for the people you associate with and the impact of what people think of you. You'll need to put time aside to gather with others to worship Jesus. You need to adjust the way that you speak. Watch how you treat people. The Holy Spirit will challenge you at the very core and may challenge thoughts and beliefs that are not in line with him. I'm going to ask the band to come up and we're going to sing that new song, Make Room. We've spoken about making room and each of us have our own traditions. Some are good, but sometimes God might ask you to put your traditions aside. He might ask us to surrender to his will. We need to journey to the margins because that's where the veil to heaven becomes thin enough to glimpse the divine.